It, but it'd be great just just tell Vlark. He's in a he's in a snow biome. It until Jeff said that I didn't realize that wasn't that wasn't by accident. He he <laughs> deliberately went to a snow biome because he's looking to build a fortress. Yes, he's gonna be the Superman of Minecraft. Uh-huh. He's yeah. gonna need those wings real fast. Oh, I can't wait to see him control flight. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to fly like Superman. How do you how do you fly? You don't even know how to move. <laughs> and you see this falling figure just hacking away with a pickaxe. <laughs> Why Everything's going by too quickly for me to, to chisel. What's going on here? <laughs> Am I dead? <laughs> many, many times over, yes. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 539. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And we're here to talk week and geek. Gentlemen, how you doing this week? Well, uh, hanging in there. All right. <laughs> yeah. We spoke to Steve. We spoke to Andy. Yes. Svelte Andy. How they doing? We had a Zoom meeting. Ah. Yeah. They're doing all right. Good. You know, Steve was talking from his inner sanctum, lower dungeon, whatever that was. And Andy was talking from the breezeway. Whatever the... Yeah. I, you know, breezeway. That that was a new one for me. I mean, I'm familiar with the mudroom because isn't that isn't that between the house and the uh, outside garage? The the breezeway probably. Yeah. I I don't know enough dude, about w- New England architecture. Dude, to- I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they were different words for the same thing. What's your breezeway? <laughs> right <Yeah>. to us. <laughs> Who, who's your mudroom? Right to us. Um, yeah. Oh, ow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the old mudroom. <laughs> very I midwestern thing. i don't know if i want to ask but in that zoom uh professor biggs revealed that he's he's tinkering with minecraft he's, that's a generous way to put it he's 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 figuring things out <laughs> experimenting with minecraft. experimenting in in his own little modes before uh potentially joining the uh the shock monkey realm i'm just calling it even though it's barry's realm yeah because there are more and more shock monkeys joining, and I, I'm loving it. Keep joining. Take over. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, in fact Chris uh, joined and has threatened me now. Threatened. So, <laughs> so right. Chris, do you want to start this? Do you want to throw this shade? Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, oh, now I know where Torgo's base is. Bring it on. And I have obsidian. I ain't scared of your goddamn obsidian, Chris. Wow. And <laughs> best know that I will find where you live. And beware of the dynamite. Because apparently you've joined Team Vlarg, whatever that means. And they have cupcakes. Shame on you. You know what? You know what? No. They have cupcakes for Barry and Depp. (laughs) Team Vlarg, what a cop out. It's like, sure, I'll join the U.S. against Swaziland. (laughs) Todd's the underdog, guys. What? He's the little guy. Since w- what? He's since the when? helpless since, guy. Since when? <laughs> I don't think I, I like this way this is going. Why? <laughs> it means every victory is that much more special because they just don't expect it. I did have a special victory, though, this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What? T- today was a... Not I today. saw the Barry quake. The uh, Yes, I finally posted that up uh, That and, uh, and me setting up him eventually exploding. 
And uh, I do have another video that I'm in, in the works of, and it's more of a tour of Hobbiton in the area. If you join the realm, what, what you can expect the city to look like, although it's growing so fast that I need to make, make a new video because it looks different already than what I've what I recorded. But uh, it was a big week this last week on the realm because Barry and Deb defeated the dragon thus opening up all of the final realm, the end, which is scary as shit. It's these islands of stone that are separated by these huge black voids that if you fall into them, that's it. You lose your life and everything on you. Wow. They're the only thing that even compares to that is dying in lava in the game. Oh. And even with lava, there's a chance something might survive, but not in the void. The void, it's gone. Hot lava. But that's where the end cities develop, and that's where you get the wings for the game. So Barry got the first wings of the game, and he said, I'm going to go out and get wings for you and Deb. I was like, oh, that's very nice. No. And he said, in fact, I'll give you some uh, magic books to help <clears throat> give your elytra the wings uh, so they don't break on you as quick, because they do break with use. But there's things you can do to mitigate that. And so... I'm like, that's great. And then, then I thought about it for a while. I'm like, I am not going to let Barry get my very first wings for me in Minecraft. <laughs> my, Swaziland. What did I say? My I pride. Say? My pride will not allow that to happen. Uh-huh. So I ventured out into the end, and I found an end city, and it was the one that Barry found. And so <laughs> there's no wings in it. And so I went back again and did it again, and... I did finally find an end city, got my own wings, and didn't tell Barry. So now Barry is giving me my second pair of wings. So thank you, Barry. <laughs> I appreciate it. It was very nice of you to give me my second <gasps> gift of oh, wings. Oh, that's great. Now, Steve, you can give Steve wings, and he can Superman around Minecraft world. He wants to fly like Superman. He's going to fly before he learns how to move. That's the... <laughs> That I'm setting up video for because I want to watch. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you wings, Steve, but uh, we got to record it, and I got to be there when you first use them. So. Now, Barry and I have kind of a truce going on right now, hence all the building and stuff. I've built my shop in the center of town, looky, looky at my bookie, selling enchanted books. That's taken off like gangbusters. I'm making diamonds left and right. It's wonderful. But Barry has apparently hired me. When I came out of my hovel last night in the game, there were signs up that he has hired me to beautify the city. I am in charge of Parks and Rec, so I've got to build a park with water features and make the town prettier. So you're the city planner then, huh? Yes. He hired the guy who lives in an undecorated hovel <laughs> to beautify his city. So, Well, I figure he, maybe he just figures that since you know how to paint minis that you can know how to paint the town i will say this uh, looky look yet my bookie is a beautiful store I, I i ripped apart a city at the end to build it in fact barry found that city and was like well you just tore the shit up didn't you <laughs> yeah yeah i did so but chris is on there and dave Rader is on there and black eyed barlow's on there and and there's i i know there's more than that and i'm not sure who else is there so it's it's great it's fun having a little Minecraft community, especially with the shock monkeys and scoops that are that are jumping on. Cool. So yeah, Biggs, 
Come on, in. Anytime you're ready, pal. Yeah, Wazdy. Dive in. <laughs> so what do you do, guys? God, I uh, watched a lot of stuff this week. Yeah, um, what you watch? Uh, so there's a channel on YouTube called Stars in the House. And this week they had a live, I don't want to call it a reunion, but a live chat with the entire cast of The Flash, which was really cool. And then a couple days later, they had a reunion with the stars of White Collar, which was a a show that was on USA for quite a while that I really liked. So uh, they've done other reunion chats, uh, like cast of Beverly Hills 90210 and a few others. so yeah um and then this week they've got a uh a, a, a reunion with the cast of voyager coming up i believe up, that's so. on tuesday so that's why i didn't make a part of this week's news because by the time this sure. episode's up it's been aired right I'm sure. but you can go back and watch them at any time sure. on their channel so you don't have to watch it live if you miss it live it is posted in its entirety not like the josh gad uh Reunited Apart, which is clearly edited and chopped down. I was going to ask uh, you about that if it was edited up. No, not chopped up, um, thank goodness, because I I logged in late to the Flash panel. I was like half hour. They were like a half hour into it. This was about an hour and a half chat with the cast. And then after it was over, I went to see if I could go back and watch it from the beginning, and I could. So that was nice. And then uh, the white collar one... um, I caught the tail end of it because I had the time wrong. Because <laughs> I keep forgetting, cause, you know the the hosts time are, zones, are baby. Well, the hosts are in New York. I did not catch that it said Eastern Daylight Time. It said EDT. I didn't catch that it was the EDT. I thought it said PDT. So, at any rate, um, so I got to go back and watch that one from the beginning. Uh, also watched a few movies on Netflix. Uh, some little alien invasion type movies, pretty cool. Uh, one of them's called Revolt. Which stars uh, Lee Pace, which was in who was in Halt and Catch Fire. That one was pretty fun. There was another one I watched that has uh, Guy uh, uh, Fury. No, not Guy Fury. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Oh, okay. Um, I got one right this shoot, time. Usually, yeah, I, I was waiting. Yeah, I thought you would, you would go shoot. off. And, I didn't think it was going to be Pierce. Yeah, <laughs> Lockout. Yeah, Lockout. I yeah. think that's it. But, it's uh, the space. Uh, yeah. uh, prison. Yes, the space prison one. So yeah, that was uh, that was uh, actually quite enjoyable. I we mean, should it's make not... a movie, by the way, Space Prison. We should just you know Geek Shock Productions. It's not sounds a... like an asylum picture to me. Yeah. It's not a heavy thinker of a movie. It's a fun little action. It you know, really right. a space prison picture, not deep thinker. I'm, <laughs> oh, I don't. I mean, the, that just kind of lends itself to it. I don't understand. The plot's pretty basic. The president's daughter is. Trapped on this station, oh, stealing from and, Escape from yeah, L.A. I know, really? right? So <laughs> they go and uh, you know he goes on this, you know, mission. President's to the, daughter stuck in a yep. prison. That I think I've seen that on Pornhub. Oh, jeez, maybe you have. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, so those those are the main things that I did this week. I watched Dark Fate on uh, Dark streaming. Fate. Terminator, Dark Fate. Oh, how was it? You know, watching it again, I really liked it. I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm willing to go with third best Terminator movie, actually. Uh, how do you rank the first two? The first two? Because mm-hmm. obviously I, that's the third one. Yeah, I, I rank the one and two. Oh, in that order? Pretty much. Okay. I like, 
I will rank Terminator above Terminator 2 chiefly because I would say more was done with less, right? Terminator. Yes. Because Dark Fate had the distinction of being the second lowest earner in the franchise. The lowest earner? Terminator. Well, Terminator was a big hit because its budget was so small. Sure. Right. And then two just changed the game and shattered everything. Well, it also became quite the cult classic exactly. even after it was out of the theaters. Yeah. And it had limited release in its first run, right? I, if I remember correctly. Uh, you're going to know better than me. Okay. So let's no. go with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. Um, so with Terminator, also in watching it over and over again, Vernon and I have like drunken DVD'd this, this <laughs> sucker. Oh, not as quite as much as Jaws, but almost. And I, I every time I watch it, I just appreciate Michael Bain's uh, performance more and more to the point where I'm almost liking Kyle Reese better than Hicks. He he committed or, in that role. My, it, uh, yeah, and it because it's very controlled. It's a very controlled character, but he does have his emotional moments, and I really, I just really, really, um, I really liked what he did. <clears throat> So, so there's that, plus I think less was done. I mean, more was done with less. Um, two, of course, was a game changer and was fabulous. I just loved the shit out of everything that happened in two. Now, I mean, I'm actually kind of easy to please, right? I enjoyed Genesis for all its flaws because I really liked Arnold Terminator doing different shit. And one of the things I was liking was the interaction between Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton in Dark Fate and just his his overall character in Dark Fate. I thought I thought I really I just really enjoyed watching it. Now Dark so, Fate skips all the other ones. It goes from one it, two it to goes, Dark Fate. Yes, yeah, it skips the others. It proposes that uh, it's kind of funny because one of its timey wimey justification of sequel is it says, no, 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 no. Sarah and John were successful in stopping Skynet. Unfortunately, that just means something else came up in its place. And so you get another crop of people going back into the past to kill yet another hero to be. And Sarah's just sitting there going, oh, okay. So she basic, she and John stopped Skynet, although a Terminator that had already been sent back before they stopped Skynet got John. And that Terminator is Schwarzenegger, of course. So John is killed. And then uh, and then, and then, Sarah Connor is just like left out in the cold. Uh, but then a new future comes into play. And there's a new, there will be a new AI that tries to exterminate all humanity. And as a result, there is a new hero who builds a resistance. And as a result, there's a new, blah, 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 blah. and yeah, we'll also go back in time. So they repeat, you know, the, it cycles over again with just different heroes and different antagonists, but it keeps Arnold and Linda Hamilton in the game, which I think is the interesting twist. So it's you can almost call it a soft reboot, but is still an actual sequel. So there's a there's a there's a it ton still works a, within the world building. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a ton and a half of of uh, of elements coming together there. 
And I just, I, I really, well, Hamilton. Cameron produced it, so yeah. he and, had some script input from what um, I understand. Right. And I think I personally really enjoyed all that connection. So, and, and I really enjoyed uh, uh, Arnold and Linda playing off each other. I love yeah. Linda Hamilton. She, she went from, she went from, you know, post-apocalyptic Karen, essentially, right, to, God, disenchanted, burnt-out Amway salesman. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, she's just, I mean, her voice is way down here, and she's really just. Really gravelly. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she just, and it's really funny because I've seen some, I've seen some reviews that have commented that she looks tired, but they're they're saying Linda Hamilton looks tired, and I'm like, I I think, think it's just the character. I yeah. think you're you're not reading past you're 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 reading too far past the character. Yeah, I think Hamilton is fine. I think Sarah Connor is because John is dead. Her life loses purpose, but she keeps getting these mysterious messages, letting her know when a Terminator pops up. Because there's so many Terminators were sent back, there's just a string of them. And so every every so often she gets a GPS coordinates and time signature of a Terminator appearing. And so she goes and she hunts it down and kills it. And and but she's also at the same time, John's dead. And her whole life was spent preserving John. So with destroying Skynet, one purpose of life was lost. Death of John, another purpose of life was lost, and and now she's killing Terminators. But at the same time, there is an element of why, who gives a shit, and that's how she gets involved with the rest. And I think that I really do think that that she conveyed that. I don't yes. pick up that Arnold and Linda were tired. I do pick up that that Terminator and Sarah Connor were tired. It's a common knock, though, on actresses I know, though, throughout I know. history, and it's uh, it's really know, sad, especially when they yeah. yeah and you're right, you're yeah, right. especially it, after they get past a certain age, yes. or a certain point in their career, yeah. And it, but because to her credit, I I agree with you. I think she portrayed the character yes as being not tired, but just worn out. Just I'm yeah. over everything. Right. I don't give a shit anymore. And there's an acknowledgement of the character's yes. age. It's not yes. like they're trying to present her as a woman in her She acknowledges it in the movie. Fifties or sixties yeah. who's, you know, superwoman. Yeah. It's like she's doing what uh, up until this movie, she's doing what no one else can do. Yes. But boy, oh boy, is she fucking over it. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I think that that really, I think that that, I, I, I really do think, I really do think in those respects, it was a very good Terminator movie. The, the, the nature of the Terminator, the splitting up the liquid, you know, gooey Terminator and the skeletal Terminator, interesting conceit and stuff like that. Uh, I don't. I. I mean, you know, yeah. at this point, I'm sort of like, ah, eh, Terminator, Schmerminator. You know, you <laughs> you get you get your basic flaw of the franchise. As soon as you talk about the Terminator's power source being a micronuclear reactor, right? In, beca- in the third one, <laughs> yeah, because it, at that point, it's like, why didn't the Terminator just in the first one explode? Yeah, you just know, just, just, <laughs> just just show up where Sarah Connor is. Sarah Connor, yes. Little mushroom cloud, end of story, you know. But and also, there's the fundamental flaw of uh, 
the uh, shall we call it, Jeff, the great man in history theory of history, yeah. which is like you've got that one person who will make the resistance. Yep. And it's like, e- e- no, you don't. There, there's always someone to fill the gap. Someone will come. So, and actually, Dark Fate actually kind of does, kind of does say that. John Connor no longer exists, but this new chick, she she's gonna show up and she's gonna build it. So, in many ways. The, the movie actually kind of does a subversive comment on its own theme yeah. in that it, you, you go ahead and kill that one person because someone else is going to be there. So I don't know. But anyway, it, I, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. How'd you watch it? How'd I watch it? On what? Uh, 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 Blu-ray? Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't. It's funny. I, it's funny. I don't Tartuga because uh-huh. I, I, I can't. I'm a pirate without a ship, so you know I can talk a line of shit. But in the day, at the end of the day, I'm standing on the seashore with the water splashing around my ankles. Right? No, uh, I dropped two ninety nine, and uh, uh, Amazon primed it. Oh, okay. And I watched it that way. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I did. I enjoyed it. I think. Uh, I I think that it's it's not at all bad, and. Uh, and uh, all right, confession. I watched it with uh, the great hater himself, <laughs> and Vernon was just like, and you were able to make it through the film yeah. without. Oh, look what they did there! They t- well, they totally, they totally changed this, dude. They, oh, the, I hate that they did this, dude. There was a lot of ooh and a lot of chuckling. He really liked Linda Hamilton. Yeah, I don't know if he'll admit it, but he chuckled at a lot of her shit. He enjoyed it. And uh, at the end of it, I was like, so what do you think? And, of course, you know, then he went back to Vernon mode, and he was like, eh, it's not the worst Terminator movie I've ever seen. That's high praise. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think that, you know, that he enjoyed it. But he was pointing out to me certain things that were cool about the, the movie. I think that that also helped in the appreciation. And it was the second time I'd seen it. I'd seen it the first time in the theater. And even he, oh, this was my original point. Even he was like, it did, I don't, I don't think it's great, he said. But he was like, it did not deserve any of the hate I read. He hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. This is the first okay. time I'd seen it. And he was like, this did not deserve all that hate. He was, he was a little befuddled. Hmm. Now, of course, this is Vernon. So let him go on YouTube. And go to his regular <laughs> hater sites, well, and gotta, I'm sure by next it, week he'll yeah. hate it to the ground. You got to let it stew for a little while. Exactly. You got to let him contemplate yeah. well, whether I'll, he truly dude, liked it or not. You got to no let, contemplation. No, no, let other pe- people contemplate. Exactly. Ah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> there are there are dedicated Star Wars haters sites, and and when I say that, I mean these are the true oh, yeah. fans that hate the new no, movies. Yeah, the quote unquote true fans. Exactly. <laughs> Stupendous wave. Midnight the gate, Edge. The, gate, the so-called gatekeepers. Exactly. That have nothing to do with the film and or the he, making of it. <laughs> and he he actually has admitted to, to watching some of those YouTubers. Oh, that's so, it. Well, there's your problem. Yeah, and so <laughs> so I do honestly feel that, you know, because like I said, the we watched Picard, and there were some things he was critical, but there were some things he liked. But then like a couple weeks later, talking with him, and he's like, oh my God, it was such a trash fire from start to finish. And it's just like, okay. you know. And I think when something revises your opinion for the better, I think that that's a good influence. That's because they're opening your eyes up to potential you may not have seen. But when something 
revises your opinion to the negative, I think you got to really look at what the fuck are you evaluating? And are you just repeating garbage or, you know, is something honestly being revealed to you that you are like, you know what, this was not as good as I thought. And, you know, I just, I mean, it's sort of like when uh, Barry says, you know, oh, I, I, I love Phantom Menace when I saw it. But I was high as fuck, you know? <laughs> so it, it just, that, I mean, I guess there can be a, a revision of opinion where it's negative and it has something. Sure. But overall, I tend to be very cynical of that. If you like something and then you come back and you hated it, I'm going to sit there and wonder what the fuck happened. And I'm yeah, not, I'm not going to. To that extreme. I'm not going to err to the side of, well, you gave it some thought and realized, make it baker burger. Well, I mean, right. I, yeah, for me, for me, Phantom Menace. I think it was the anticipation yeah. of the yes. movie oh, that yes. really got me the first time I watched it, and then I went and saw it the second time, and I'm like, "Huh, okay, maybe not quite." I mean, it. I didn't think it was as terrible as a lot of people did. You know, obvi- the Jar Jar thing off to the side on that one, but uh, and and again, not the actor's fault, just a right. poor, poor execution. Well, well you know, and, and intention. Yeah, and Lucas doesn't know how to direct people. Mm. He doesn't know how to direct people or dialogue. And that is Faster, very intense. Very apparent in that first film. Yeah. More so in films that I have seen with oh, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Uh played Anakin, uh actor, shoot. The the kid? No, no. No, no uh, he's thinking of uh, what's uh, his name? Hayden Christians? <laughs> Hayden Christians. Christian, thank you. Uh, Glass houses or... Uh, Christensen is very hard to watch in the Star Wars films. But everything else I've seen him in, I'm like, this is a very underrated actor. Yeah. That was not utilized properly. Yes. I think that really does go back to the director. If the director is not getting the performance from the actor that he wants, he needs to say something. But... Or if he doesn't want slash need yeah. a better performance. Yeah. If if you know, if if the actor falls short, if the actor's struggling with script or whatever, and the director is not entirely uh, is not entirely needful of anything better, sure. then then it can also fall short. Yeah. You know? I mean, you also had Natalie Portman in there, and, and she's she's not great in it either. No, and and let's face it, Natalie Portman is one she's of the better one, actresses of our our time. She is the one of the best of her generation. If yeah. if that if that has a problem, then you've got to. Of yeah. course, you balance that with you and McGregor and Ian McDermott, both of whom are the reasons <laughs> to watch the they, prequels. They acted the shit out of that they script. both. They, they both handled it. They both handled they both did their job and thoroughly handled it it, it could have just been because they're so experienced they're like okay i know what george is asking of me but i feel like this is what they want so i'm just gonna give it my all classical british training dude. it could be yeah, when yeah, you absolutely. when you spend your training your basic training learning how to fucking use sure. shakespeare and all of that period relevant stuff and make it intelligible for a modern audience then pulpy essentially right. pulpy stuff like lucas will write right. will not be a problem 
for you. It's, well, a, it's and, all heightened language yeah. on yes. both sides. Right. I'm not saying Lucas is Shakespeare, but they are both not the way people speak. And, right. and both of them exactly. have stage experience too, which I think is a big help yes. when you're when sure. you're performing in a a movie like that. Sure. Well, when you know how to break down a script and intentions yeah. and turn that into delivery. And yeah. and even like like uh, Hamill talking about uh, Alec Guinness mm-hmm. in Star Wars, where he was literally going through his script and and checking off. He was he was assigning musical notes and he's assigning stresses and right. inflections right on his line so he's it's you know you can you can <clears throat> excuse me you can let us say american method it in terms of talking about emotionality and everything behind things but you can also talk about the value of words and take any sentence and say this is important this is what needs to be stressed this will support but it'll be on a lower note until we get to here which is where we need to end up. And you know how to literally, musically change your sentence so you can have that effect. Well, yeah, and, and Guinness's performance is so kind of subtle and understated that it stands out. Yeah. yeah he's very, he's, he speaks in a very soft, very... But he has that yeah. theatrical musicality yes, that he's talking exactly. about. Yeah. But I, mean, what I, I was thought he say, was tired. <laughs> he speaks you know? in a soft way but very yes it's very deliberate everything yeah. he's saying is very deliberate now, and i'll admit i'm biased because right. i love the less is more sure if, yeah if somebody yeah if somebody is 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 controlled and disciplined yes. i'll be you know i mean i will you said it better less get, is more is yeah. that definitely the way you he know, performed that exactly thing. right like you can look at old men and you can look at uh fifth element yeah. or the professional or then you could go to Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy or Commissioner Gordon and just be fucking astounded at the amount of control. It's just, it, 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 that'll just take my breath away. Oldman's one of the few that can do that really soft, subtle performance, mm. that less is more, and then go completely 180 Dive and give right you this, this screen chewing, intense, emotional. Yeah. You know, screaming all the time. I would love, and if any monkeys out there have anything approaching this that they want to throw into the lair and tell me to watch, go ahead. I don't think it's been done yet. I would love for a director and a writer to give Oldman a part where he is that controlled and contained until, and then until give him something sets him off, and then given that big, that big, totally fucking lose his shit explosion. Hmm. which I think could be phenomenal. And I think that's one of the few people who could really just blow you away with that would be Oldman. So it'd be great if somebody could do something yeah, like that's that. that's interesting. You know, just, just get that. I mean, he's just so fucking on. He's just so reserved and controlled. And then all of a sudden you get that boom, you know, and your last reel is just... Is just old men <laughs> busting a blood vessel. Losing ah, his Scorsese's shit. Dracula. There, busting yeah. a blood vessel. <laughs> <laughs> Scorsese's Dracula. <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh my god. No, that was great. The I love that assessment down the line. Anything else you do this week, guys? Uh, I'm sure I did more stuff, but those are the ones that stuck out. 
I watched this short, uh, this Nightmare on Elm Street short that just came out not that long ago. Uh, one of those fan films. It's called In Dreams. It's made by a couple of uh, Italian filmmakers. Um, it's okay. Uh, but normally I wouldn't bring up something that's just okay. Yeah, I was going to say. It's, it's okay with some real sparks of genius in it. Oh, okay. And they're hamstrung by budget and... Frankly, they're hamstrung by how the whole thing came to be. One of the guys got a hold of something he's wanted for a long time, and that is a Freddy Krueger silicon mask. Now, silicon masks, when you put them on, they hug your face tight, and so the flesh of the mask moves with your own face, so it has realistic movement. They're really cool. They're great. Some of the newer ones. Oh, uh, my God. And so when they got this, being you know little short filmmakers, they're like, let's make our own little Freddy movie. And so they use that mask, and it's very obvious that it's a mask and the guy in the Freddy costume, it just looks like a dude in a mask when it comes (laughs) down to it. Even though it's a silicon mask, when it's even in the shadows and the light, just the way that you can see around the mouth. You got to know how to film it. It's one of those masks are one of those things where when you see them with your own eyes, they're amazing, but you have to know how to shoot them. Yeah. You have to you really have to get well, the lighting right. Well, that kind of effect, that kind of effect for the human eye versus the camera yes. will be a different design. Yeah, sure. that's one of the things I had to learn in films. Like you can't shoot everything like you see it with your own eyes. Sure. And and I mean they did fine with lighting. They they are competent mm-hmm. filmmakers. Don't right. get me wrong. Uh but a lot of those masks aren't necessarily made for Hollywood. Right. They're made for haunted houses yep. and things like that. Um so that kind of lessens it that to have a good Freddy movie, you have to have a strong Freddy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, some of their, I, the whole thing happens within a singular dream, and some of the effects that they use to create some of the little dream scares in there are pretty brilliant. And so they're they're talking about expanding it a little further. So I'm kind of all for it because there is real good gems of, frankly, stuff. If they'd have done in the reboot, would have made the reboot better. Um, I you know I re-recorded and I haven't watched it yet and I really should. I uh, the I only saw the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street once in the theater and it, it was pretty lackluster. Uh, and because I felt they didn't do enough with it, and and that's what's so maddening to me about it. Sure, Freddy went off the rails in the later ones. You get six and so on. It's crazy, goofy, and the dreams get absolutely out there. But there's so much fun to be used in the ethereal dream world in creating your nightmare is attacking you in some way that they just left it off the table. They, they made almost all the dream stuff in the remake, just really trite and boring. And I expect a little creativity, like the stuff that, uh, Muschietti did with it, uh, chapters one and two is absolutely super creative and frankly would fit perfectly in any nightmare in Elm street movie. In fact, it, in a way, is its own Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. Uh, so along those same creative lines, if Muschietti announced he was doing a Nightmare on Elm Street, I would be A-OK with that. So it's these, these guys' creativity with very little budget, creating some really neat, scary dream moments was impressive to me. Uh, the actress they have lead, fine. She's perfectly serviceable. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, if you want to see it, it's called In Dreams. The two movie makers are Silvio Marada and Christian Tomasa, uh, Tomasini. Uh, so, yeah, uh, 
I'm sure Jake will probably, he's probably already seen it. No one, Jake. No doubt. Oh, um, broke my They Live cherry. Oh, yes. <laughs> that yeah. was what, awesome. What did you think of They Live, mister? Oh, it was, um, it's like, okay, you know, I finally understand. I understand a lot more references than I knew because there, there are plenty of pop culture references in there that people don't instantly go, that, that's from They Live. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is. And it was, it was, it's also just really funny because we're all, all of us in the comments are just sitting there watching this going, God, this is so relevant today. <laughs> it is. You know, it's just, it just, you know, because there's so much wake up sheeple put on the glasses and i think one of the th great things that needs to be explored is that it's multi-sided because everybody everybody is saying wake up stop being sheeple and it's like you know it's like what you wake up you fucking <laughs> you know and and so there i think that that is an angle that a very complicated angle that could be explored well, they but, also explore that whole willful ignorance kind of thing. Yes, the willful ignorance, the selling out, yep, the becoming part of the uh, the deal. Mm -hmm. um, Best fight scene ever filmed. <laughs> oh God! It, it that was so funny because it just just kept going. Yeah. yeah, it's just like okay, they're they're done. They now. got themselves a wrestler. They're gonna use a wrestler. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> you know, and good old uh, oh shit. I always fucked it. Keith David? Keith David. David Keith? David Keith, Keith David. Son of <laughs> Jesus Christ. If okay. they're ever in a movie together, my head will explode. Yeah. Well, isn't... I think David Keith has passed away, so... I think one of them's... And, and or was check it Keith it, man. David? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Keith David, you know, he's actually doing a nice job of holding his own. Yeah. Uh, with with Piper and, and making it look like these are two guys who, you know... Are, uh, are are on a similar level fighting, beating the living shit out of each other. And Piper is a pretty confident actor in that film. Yeah. he's He does all right, yeah. It, uh, I mean, he's not going to win awards. There's no Pacino, but no, he's serviceable in that role. You, you, you hit your marks, you say your lines, and you got a little bit of charisma over the camera. You've already got a leg up on most people. And if you're a wrestler, you're going to have that basically. So when you can go a little beyond that and give a little nuance to your to your uh, lines, a little bit of emotion, a bit, little bit of existence in there, um, <clears throat> it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty, pretty cool. Nope, both still alive. Really? <laughs> yep. Son of a bitch. Ah, how the hell did I? And it is I Keith know. David that was in the movie. It is Keith David. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I. I'm. What's the funny thing? Their middle names are both Roger. Are you serious? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I didn't know this. Keith David is actually Keith David Williams. But See? He goes by his middle God name. damn it. Why didn't he go with Keith Williams? But David Keith's middle name? Williams. <laughs> oh, so you're not helping. Every time I'm on the verge of like, okay, I can use this as a mnemonic. <laughs> you fuck it right up. You know, th this talking about acting styles reminds me of something else I really wasn't going to talk about, but I'll go ahead and mention it anyway. On Twitch, Matt Colville, who I've mentioned as, as promoting D&D, &D, he's opened up his own gaming company. He's been kickstarting some gaming products. He's doing a good job. And he's been doing these Twitch streams 
with his uh, with his uh, social media base, his Twitch base, and his YouTube base, he calls it Memnos, and it's movies you might not otherwise see. And basically, what he does is he comments on movies that people may or may not have seen, <clears throat> people may or may not have watched, and he talks about he'll play a scene from them. And he'll talk about why he loves a movie and why he loves a scene. And he does, it, it's really funny because he does a very disconnected stream. He'll do, he'll do like a three-hour Twitch stream. And it'll be, he'll have like eight or nine movies. And he'll do movies that, that cinephiles like us would definitely recognize. And, and some pop culture people too. So he'll, he'll do Bridge on the River Kwai. He'll do... Magnificent Seven, but he'll also do Night of the Hunter. Oh, and he'll talk about Robert Mitchum, and that he'll do the Sweet Smell of Success with Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. And one of the things about that movie is he actually gets into the discussion of what we briefly just had of mannered, what he referred to as highly mannered acting, versus what we would call method. And he goes into um, the American method basically being uh, an actor's reaction to cinema and the, the close-in work of filming an acting performance as opposed to a stage performance. And he'll talk about the differences between the two. And he takes apart this one scene with Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis, and a couple of other people in uh, The Sweet Smell of Success. And it's actually very interesting his insights are pretty good but what's really good about colville is he does a nice job of describing shit and explaining where he's coming from and he's done a couple of these they're on twitch his mc dm matt colville dungeon master or, uh, oh you know i i'm pretty sure that the, the dm is is that kind of reference mc dm is my it's my favorite uh, electronic group so yeah. there you go but uh <laughs> He uh, that's his that's his company, and uh, that'll be his Twitch channel. Matt Coville will also turn up on a Twitch and Mimnos, literally Mimnos okay. movies you might not otherwise see. He's done like three of them. He's like, I'm gonna do these and see if Twitch ever you know throws me off for using copyrighted material, even though everything he's doing is within fair use because he's commentating um, on the nature of the product. So. It's it's been very interesting, and his insights are very, very, very cool. So, and he does plenty of of other of other movies as well. So it's it, it's actually cool. But that discussion is what was sort of like occurring to me as we were having this, because it, it it and it is really kind of come funny because I'm coming I'm coming to this thesis now that at some point I'm going to try to break down and talk about saying that the 20th century was the century of intimacy because uh colville has i was born what <laughs> what because i was born there you go yeah, yeah. you know everybody was born <laughs> um but the, the intimacy that's that's my that's my contribution oh okay is that yeah well that's well, not to acting no 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 Colville has mentioned, I forget what he say, Soderbergh mentioned that the greatest invention of the 20th century was the close-up in the movies. 
because you're in that movie theater and that close-up, it transcends anything that theater does. And I remember hearing a comment talking about microphones and speakers and how in the 20th century, crooners, crooning became such a big thing because you could literally have that one singer gently singing into that microphone and giving that experience of the lover gently singing to the person he loves, you know, while he's right next to them, which you could not have in a stage experience. There was no way to do that with a large theater without the electronics involved, microphones and speakers. And that gave a sense of intimacy and closeness in performance. And then television where television news in particular, you know, the Vietnam War was the living room war. And then looking at the internet, where you can literally have a chat conversation, a personal conversation with someone in completely across the world in real time. You can tie in the telephone as well, I think. But I think, as I look at it, I tend to see the 20th century was actually the the... Uh, the, the century of mass, mass intimacy where so many people could be intimately and closely connected at the same time, at the moment. It shrank the size of the world. Yeah. And it, it totally just, it, it is, it's an experience utterly unheard of in human experience. And, and I think for all that that may have happened in the 20th century, that actually might be the defining characteristic of the century. Yeah, it starts in the early half of the 20th century, but then really accelerates the second half. Really ramps up. Because you get, you get, the, cl- you get the close-up yeah. with some of the first silent films. Yep. The, the, the microphone and speaker era actually mm-hmm. even precedes that yep. because that is separate from film. Right, television ramps up in the fifties, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of that laid out in the early part of the century, and then you get that culmination as we go in, and then the century closes out with the internet, yeah, which is instant mass communication across the friggin' planet, yeah, which just global communications medium that has so many different formats, right? Audio, video, mm-hmm. picture. social media is a 21st century phenomenon, but that doesn't right. change the fact that the basic foundations yes, are all laid out were laid. in the in, uh, late 80s, 90s. Yep. So it, it, you know, it, it's kind of become something of a, a, of a thesis I've been thinking about, just some idea I've been thinking about. No, that's good. I like it. But I don't, and I don't know. Where the hell did that come from, and what was I doing? We should just it? start teaching classes instead of doing a podcast. There you, know, you go. <laughs> well, the, cl- the podcast is a class. We have so much yeah. to say and so little time to say it. There you go. <laughs> we have two hours. Do what you will. Yeah, there you but go. But we have news we have to read, too. Oh, though, right? there is, because we're a geek podcast. Yeah. Oh, dear. That's right. That's that's what? That's what we're, we're not educational. Ah, we're geek, entertainment. <laughs> and a geek podcast is the... Edutainment. Get it right. Edutainment. edutainment. All right. Fair enough. Fair okay. enough. Okay. <laughs> it's Minecraft. It's an edutainment game. Invocational. Invocational. There we are. Yes. We're, we're, we're not edutainment. We invoke things. We're not edutation, uh, edutainment. <laughs> we're invocation. 
Somewhere Biggs <laughs> is screaming at us. Oh, you guys! <laughs> Uh, speaking of heightened language, we're still discussing On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony for the book club, uh, but we are now taking nominations for the novel for next month. So the nominations will be coming down soon. We'll be taking the poll on that. So you have a little bit of time to get your nominations in if you haven't already. And Get uh, on that poll. Yeah, On a Pale Horse. I <laughs> know uh, yeah, we've been reading it. And <laughs> one thing I w- was struck by in reading it again the fourth time is... It's not strong characterization, but going back to what we were talking about with heightened language, everyone talks in theatrical proclamations. Oh wow! And throughout throughout it, and the weird thing is, it didn't really bother me in any reading I've ever had of it. I'm very aware of it when I'm reading it, but everyone speaks in proclamations and the whole thing. <laughs> There's no characters; it's just people saying things and in a heightened theatrical voice. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, I, I just think it's just a Piers Anthonyism, but I don't. But what I don't understand is how it doesn't hurt that story. I don't know if it's the world building and the framing of it, because it really is a a the story itself is just a big logic puzzle through uh-huh. and through. It's the it ultimately comes down to it's a deal with the devil kind of story. How do you beat the devil? You beat the devil using his own logic. That's kind of the classic story of it. So through the whole thing, it's a logic puzzle. So I don't know. It's I, I really enjoyed it again. Four stars on the book. It's problematic how it deals with women. But Piers Anthony's always been that way. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting duck. A duck. He's a duck. Mm. A duck so, who writes books. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, I didn't duck, get duck, to duck, uh, Pale duck, Horse duck, this time duck. around. Goose. Uh, I have read Spell for Chameleon decades ago. Oh. And... So yeah. I see what you're talking about in terms of the speaking proclamations. That's part of a Xanth series where everything is punny. Right. And it's really funny because I remember, you know, so much of like fantasy in particular way back kind of went for something along those lines, whether it's the theatrical type speak, the speaking of proclamations, trying for that fantasy-esque and then there was the the series The Black Company by Glenn Cook, where he had the characters really kind of casually speaking, not quite full-blown American colloquialism, but very regular talking kind of character. And that was one of the things about that series that I loved. And I didn't understand it at the time. I just knew that that really was actually really cool. And very, very interesting. Yeah. So. Huh. So, gentlemen, you ready for some news? Depends on what it is. It's they... news you don't give a shit about! <clears throat> yeah. Yay! All right. Yeah. Woo! Wow. Yeah. Jeff is doing yeah. his own version. I like that. The multiple yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing my Rain Man impression there. Yeah. 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 You don't give a shit about Ruby Rose, who plays the title role in Batwoman, is reportedly leaving the series. Now the show's on the hunt for a replacement. Warner Brothers TV will recast Rose's lead role as Kate Kane slash Batwoman, a part that made TV history by putting an LGBTQT female superhero in the spotlight. <laughs> what? What? I know by LGBTQ. letters. LGBTQ. LGBTQT. <laughs> 
sorry, dude. You just you really came across like Trump during his <laughs> during his uh, convention speech with oh. our allies in the LGBTQV. I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't any more care about these people. How dare you? And I know that's not you, but I mean this is this is classic Torgo yeah. getting a string of letters, and he just doesn't know what to do. But it, oh, it, it, Trump. it, it, it was just funny. Uh, superhero in the spotlight. <laughs> per statement, CW will look for another LGBTQ uh, candidate there to take over the role. While neither Rose nor the network has cited a reason for her departure, the actress said in a statement that the decision to leave the show was difficult and she has nothing but admiration for the entire Batwoman creative team. The CW, which made 20 of its planned 22 episodes for season one before the pandemic put the final stages of production on hold also struck a positive note assuring fans that the show isn't going anywhere and that it won't lose sight of its progressive underpinnings her work on the show had had a rough start uh, rose weathered some early quote-unquote fan backlash in social media following her initial casting leading her to quit twitter and last summer she sustained an onset injury while doing stunt work that required major surgery and nearly left her paralyzed Season two of Batwoman is slated to land on the CW in January 2021, and so far, no early word on whether Rose's departure will affect the timeline for the season two premiere. It's kind of weird the mystery behind her leaving. Yeah, it's it it's if it's if it's the injury. I mean, just you know, step up and say that you know, injury was. I uh, I can't continue and deliver the level the physical level that we're expected to do for this series because of this injury, I, I don't think anyone's going to hold her feet to the fire. We we could speculate till we're blue in the face. I mean, she's been quite frank about mental health issues in the yeah, past, yeah. and she has publicly said that she misses Australia because she has not been home in quite a while. She spent a lot of time in the U.S. and Canada mm. and, and traveling the world, so... Um, Maybe, yeah. honestly if i had to speculate i think it's a little of everything it was probably the sure. injury it was probably the you know mental health issues being so far from everyone and everything she knows and it is people don't realize how difficult it is to be a lead in a weekly television series especially the ones in the cw because uh stephen amell uh, on his own podcast was just talking about that and he wasn't talking about it in a disparaging way he was talking with one of the other actors that had been on there and and the other actor brought it up that he's, he's like he's like but we're not leads you're the lead you're on set 12 14 16 hours a day you go home rest he goes yeah i you know i'd go back to my apartment get in bed wake up early and go back to set you know six days a week yeah, yeah. so it's a huge, huge commitment, and you're shooting four months, five months out of the year in a row with maybe a three-week break in between the next three, four months. Me me so, memorizing a script a week? Yeah. Practicing choreography? Changes every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You do not do the script that you were given at the beginning of the week by the end of that, that shoot. And also a lot of that uh, f uh, six to seven month in between mm -hmm. time is promotional. You're yeah. you're not at home resting and sleeping. You're still out on the road uh, promoting the living shit out of your work. Yeah, he was talking. Uh, Stephen Amell was talking about uh, he went to a uh, uh, 
a comic convention. And he said he literally, he flew, he had just finished, didn't even get a chance to sleep, got on a plane, flew to this comic book convention, promoted the, the show, then he had to fly to like to New York, and this was like in Kansas City, he flew to New York, did a, a press thing there, flew right back to Canada to start shooting again. Yeah. So he said, I don't remember the amount of time that was in between, but I was told it was three days. You know, so it was literally like he left on a Friday, did the Saturday, the Sunday at the convention, flew to New York, and then flew right back to Canada, right. and literally went right right to set after he got off the plane. Right. Generally, you would you would start shooting on Tuesday or Wednesday, so yeah. that all makes sense. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, I don't think negatively about anybody that no, has to step away not. from a show because it's intense and not everybody can do it. I mean, shoot, that was. That was why Kate Mulgrew got cast on Voyager because Jean-Bierre Bougeot couldn't, she, couldn't she, do a series. She yeah. realized a day and a half into shooting she couldn't do it. And she stepped away. She I mean she left. If so. anything, props to her for you yeah, know for realizing for it that early on instead of yeah, waiting right. further in the season. So I, I, w- I wish her well. She's a very good actress. I liked her in the role. I'm interested to see who they recast. Uh John Wick. She was great. Oh, she, yeah. She, I, yeah. I forgot she was in John she's Wick. This, yeah. She uh, is this, uh, she's slight, she's small, and, you know, no, not not to come across as some kind of fucking um, ass, ass wipe SJW anti, you know, anti-SJWer, right? But sometimes those, the slight, small uh, actress trying to play fierce, trying to play uh, intimidating or dangerous they they don't they don't cut it it doesn't pass um the but, way she portrays but it though but she yeah. she was a threat and dangerous to wick and there was never a moment uh, really in that movie when i didn't feel like her character did not deserve her place yeah in the story she was kind of the the speed and skill yeah, and also the whereas the sheer with speed, skill, and strength. Right. So but, she and, used and, her, and sheer ferocity. She played to her strengths and sheer ferocity. Yes. she's kind because of, she thing, was relentless. The thing about and that's the word for Rick, uh, Wick. Yeah, right. They mm-hmm. throw that out constantly. He's relentless. He's unstoppable. He yep. does. He keeps coming, and she. I think she did a nice job of matching that and was Absolutely. a good foil in that regard. Uh, Commons character notwithstanding and the other guy the actor who, who was actually kind of comical because he was the big fan right uh, and I can't remember the, the actor's name but but really really I think she are you talking in three with Jason Scott Lee no I'm, I'm talking oh, okay. uh, uh, maybe I'm talking about the one she was in the second one the second okay. one and uh, anyway uh, yeah it, it, it and, um, and that was another one where she did a majority of her stunts yeah, mm-hmm. they did have stunt doubles, right. and, but she did as much on-camera work as she could. And she played a mute. Yeah. She did a wonderful She's, job yeah. communicating everything through expe- expression and gesture. She had, what, one line in the whole thing? And it was like a short... I don't think she ever spoke. I thought she had like a one or two word... I don't, I don't think I'll have so. to go back and watch it again. Oh, it's been a while. Oh, damn. <laughs> Todd's like, I haven't Todd, seen it. I don't know. Because <laughs> I it, don't it, watch movies. Add it. To the list. Yeah, Shit Todd hasn't seen. Yeah. That's 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 what they should have named that Facebook group. Not movies Todd hasn't seen. Shit Todd hasn't seen. The ones yeah. they've done so far, I've seen them all. 
We did RoboCop this last week. No, no, no. no, no. That was just a not, viewing party. Not, not, That's not, not, the, oh, not the viewing party. Not the viewing party. Oh, well, what are you talking this about? This is the, the mysterious Facebook group you don't know about. Oh, there's a Facebook group? We, we talk about movies you haven't seen, so we don't spoil for you something that was made 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting to be 50 years now. Jesus we're, we're getting old. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We talk about a movie from 1970. Yeah. Well, freaking, was it uh, Empire Strikes Back? Yes. Just had its 40th. 40th. And I was sitting there like, 40? Really? Yeah. God damn it. Oh, dude. Uh, just last night. Oh, shit. Who was it? Fuck, 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 fuck. Vernon uh, and I were watching a YouTube vid. Oh, Steve Irwin. Okay. And then, because yeah. and, and, and lately, uh, Google. Had done a Google Doodle of Steve Irwin, and uh, PETA had criticized it, no, of criticizing commemorating Steve Irwin's uh, memory. It was on his birthday. Ozzy Man was doing a, a talkback, a clapback, and and Vernon and I were watching it, and he was like, "Yeah, so you know, thirteen years ago, bucka bucka bucka." And I just turned to Vernon and I was like, 13? fucking years ago and yeah. he and he just he sat there for a moment mentally calculating and then he looked at me and he nodded his head and I was like we were at Star Trek weren't we and he nodded his head yep. again and I think we both visibly aged right in front of each other's eyes because yeah. that was just like 13 fucking years ago you hit that zone where everything seems like it was yesterday yeah. it's just yep and and for Mr. Whoever it was who complained about hearing about pillboxes, you think about that, buddy. <laughs> Weekend geek! There you go. Well, well, kind of. This is one of those things that skirts on the, on, the, oh, on the edge. Oh, oh. It's on the edge. Living on the Border. edge. Yeah. They, they, these first two are kind of on the edge. Two of them? Yeah, your mileage may vary. Some right. I think some people think this is good, and some people are going to go, oh, no, on both. Michael Bay is producing Songbird, a pandemic thriller that plans <laughs> plans to shoot in Los Angeles during the lockdown. Described as a thriller in a similar vein as Paranormal Activity or Cloverfield, Songbird takes place two years in the future where the pandemic has not dissipated. Lockdowns have been rolled back, then reinstated as the virus becomes more serious and mutates. Uh, Adam Mason from Into the Dark will direct the script he wrote with Simon Boyles, who did Misconduct. The production, which was given the go-ahead from the guilds, will enforce social distancing rules when shooting. Apparently, people will never be in the same room together. Once the crew sets up the shots, they will leave and the scenes will be shot. There won't be any scenes where the actors engage face-to-face. Filmmakers will also provide remote training for the cast. And casting is currently underway for Songbird. By Michael Bay, the I pandemic thriller. Don't know, but to me, it kind of sounds like it's too close to home and kind of in bad taste, given the current situation that we might still be going through for another year after this. I was wondering how soon someone was going to make, sure. well, frankly, art about you what's know. going on as far as the film industry goes. And I am not surprised that it's Michael Bay's production company at all. It's it's perfectly on brand as far as I'm concerned. I mean, given enough time, it's fine. I mean, you know, we had several years before 9-11 movies started happening, but I'm sitting here going, I'm like, it's still ongoing. Sure. I, I, it, I, I personally think that sort of thing, when you talk about taste 
It depends on what you're talking about in terms of human loss. Sure. Uh, I think talking about the pandemic, the social distancing, and all of that zone, if you're talking about people who are alive and dealing with those situations, I don't think we're talking too soon at all. Whereas when you're talking about actual death, maybe, right? I think you can... And I mean, and it also depends on the context, dude. Yeah, it's uh, true. Wasn't we don't it, know what, enough about it. To... Uh, Stone's Flight 93, wasn't that like within a year of 9-11? That was, I thought that was... I don't think it was that soon. Was it? Am I, I missing it? I think it was it? at least two years. Uh, okay, at I don't least, know. At least. Watch, it's probably like 10 years. I'm probably totally fucking that yeah, up. Yeah, I think it's at but. least five years out. Um, oh, well. But as far as this, what's, what's interesting to me is that... 2006, so five years. Yeah. We don't know how this is all going to play out yet. Right. That he's he's putting out this fictional thing that probably won't happen, but could. Um, yeah. But, but it doesn't seem like in in looking at it deeper in its description. Of course, we really don't know what the movie is about. The one thing that I that strikes me is that saying that it's along the lines of Cloverfield or. Uh, what was the other film? Oh, uh, a paranormal activity yeah. tells me it's that the virus is just the backdrop of it. That there is something else that's more the focus, the sure. antagonist of the whole thing, if you will. So, with the virus as the backdrop, with a with forcing people to go back into lockdown and then that's where the thing happens i can see that being the the absolute thing that that drives this story yeah you tell kit i'm telling kit kit's interested <laughs> kit's joined us and that's why it's all gotten topsy-turvy and mentally here because he's very distracting so yeah he 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 was in the garage so when i went to <laughs> fill my drink i let him out and he's like oh wait starving dude. for attention yeah well he He's he likes guys' voices. the The female staff at the vet ha, uh, has commented on that, so he heard you and Jeff going on, and he's like, oh, "Yay!" And he's <laughs> he's out here to say hi to people. So, uh, the next thing that's kind of on the fence, uh, I think it's cool, but some people might find it just goddamn boring. Uh, Disney Plus just announced a relaxing new short form series, Zenimation. You know those machines that lull you into falling asleep to pre-recorded sounds of the rainforest or crashing waves? Oh, no. Uh, that's what this is with, with a visual element. <laughs> the release describes the show as, quote, an animated soundscape experience, unquote. Quote, whether it's baby Moana being called by the ocean, Anna and Kristoff walking through an icy forest, or Baymax and Hero Hamada flying over San Fran Francisco. The, uh, it's been a while since I saw that. I forgot they made right. that name. These <laughs> iconic scenes become an aural experience like no other. A what? Aural. A-U-R-A-L. Aural. Oh. oh. Aural. Okay. All right. With like no other, the sounds of ocean waves and icy forest and soaring flight continues the synopsis. Uh, all 10 episodes of Zenimation are, are now currently available on Disney+. Plus, So you can watch it now. Kit was making a bed out of your show notes. As long as I can read them, he can shred them as long as he likes. Um, so, yeah, if you want to help fall asleep and you don't have an old iPad like I do and can get Disney Plus, that's a, that's a way of re relaxing you. Zenimation. 
or you don't have a fan. Yeah, we have that too. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's one way. That's one way to to grab the the sweeps week. I mean, (laughs) as somebody who, since this whole lockdown has gone, has, has had bouts of sleeplessness uh you know whatever you can do to fall asleep sure so yeah i I don't necessarily think this is a news you don't give a shit about article but that's why it's in weekend geek yeah so i snap i don't think it's as much on the fence as you think but at the same time yeah i get it you're like i don't know what to do with this sure it well (laughs) because some nerds aren't gonna care I, I don't also i don't have a tv or but, any kind of setup in my in my room if i'm gonna do asmr or is that something different i, uh, I, I it's is, along the same lines but is something asmr different. just people eating <laughs> to my know. understanding it's people whispering really softly in your ear oh, that's my understanding okay i've been listening to the wrong stuff <laughs> uh, but anyway i mean you know uh, I'm just slowly starting getting my schedule turned over. It's been like three nights now. I've actually gone to sleep at about 1 or 2 a.m. I'm kind of excited. I may I may finally get my schedule back to normal, but whatever helps. Because this, for those of us who are not working, this shit is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just, I mean, in Vegas, I've said this before, in Vegas with the gig lifestyle, and the fact that there's no such thing as a real weekend, it's always hard to keep track of what day of the week is. But now it's even worse. And yeah. I've honestly had a few disorienting wake up at 5 o'clock, and I don't know which 5 o'clock it fucking <laughs> is. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it just, yeah, so. Anyway. And probably the biggest news of the week, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League has been given the green light. Snyder left the film partway through production due to the death of his daughter, leaving Avengers alum Joss Whedon to finish things up. Uh, the rewitten, uh, rewitten, rewitten, yeah, <laughs> rewitten. The rewitten reshoot <laughs> results left some fans wanting more. Uh, it'll drop on HBO Max, which has apparently put between twenty to thirty million dollars up for Snyder and team to finish it all up by next year. Snyder and his wife, producing partner Deborah Snyder, are still undecided on whether the project will manifest as a giant four-hour director's cut movie or whether it will be split into six chapters like a Justice League miniseries. Uh, Quote, there's not going to be any reshoots of any kind with any actors. It's just additional dialogue, Uh, unquote. Snyder did want to shoot and he wanted to do additional photography, but HBO Max said, no, that's not happening. Quote, we'll give you money for post-production, for special effects, for scoring, even ADR, but no reshoots of any kind on this movie, unquote. Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming to HBO Max in 2021. So there you go, folks. Uh, those that have been hashtagging away, you, you got your wish. Yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, wow, the rumor actually became true. Because, I mean, it had been rumored to be going to HBO Max for quite a while now. I mean, at least three or four months, and here we actually have confirmation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious more than anything. I'm not. I'm not one of the ones that has been clamoring for the the Snyder cut. Um, I still don't think that the Whedon version of Justice League was that bad. It's certainly not a great film, but I don't think it's as bad as everybody was was making it out to be. But 
on the same token, I'm I'm mildly curious just to see what Snyder's vision was that differed from what we actually got in the theater. So in that sense, I'm interested in seeing it. I am always excited for a director's cut of oh, anything. Yeah. I, I've never I haven't been clamored for it, but I've always said that if it happens, great. I would like to see it. I'm always down for an alternate cut by the person who created the film. And I'm kind of I'm actually kind of fascinated with the possibility of him splitting it up into like kind of like a mini series type. That that would actually I think be very interesting. Instead of trying to make this giant theatrical four hour where you're sitting through it all, break it up and sure, you know, bite sized chunks, if you will. <laughs> and I love long movies. I've yeah, I'm all. In fact, I get mad when movies are too short. Yeah. God, like I, I remember I was in the theater one time and the movie was like 75 minutes or something like that. And that was when the credits rolled. And I'm just like, this can't possibly be over already. And then I've also had movies where I've, you know, been in the theater for three hours and it felt like it was a much quicker time. Sure. So, but oh, yeah. yeah, it's all, I guess, it all depends on how good the people making the film are but but yeah i i like you i don't like short like if it's too yeah, short sure. it's just not no, right don't, don't get me wrong i've seen bad long films paint your wagon is awful <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand uh i can't see them you know doing a i don't see a director's cut extended edition really improving on bambi versus godzilla no <laughs> yeah I think that could be a full half-hour dissertation. I think, well, come on, just get to the point. You get 30, <laughs> you, get, you get 29 and a half minutes of Bambi just sitting there <laughs> eating. And then, see, you build up tension. Eating some clover. You build up some tension. Oh, I see. You know, I, tension. I'm still curious with the HBO not allowing him to do any additional shooting, though. Cost. It's cost. But if you think about it, you, they shelled out thirty million, though. Yeah, is that yeah. what you read? Yes. Yeah, twenty to thirty million. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, you could do a studio in a green screen, minimal crew, like you know, have them set it up just like you were talking about with the uh, the Michael Bay project there. Set it up, shoot the actor in front of the green screen, and you could still put them in the existing footage because goodness knows that's how the majority of that film was actually made was all in front of green screen and then the footage added in later so sure but that kind of shooting is not really happening now and i know a lot of the people that have claimed to see yeah the unfinished snyder cut there is a just huge sections of not even unfinished but not even started special effects right so that's that's, that's probably gonna, where that's the majority the, of the budget's going to yeah, get eaten exactly up. But I mean, he had a from 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 all accounts a fairly locked down version of what he wanted with the footage that he had. So I guess we'll see. Absolutely. And I'm I am still fascinated with the Snyderverse as it stands. And I'm I'm one of the few people that still like uh, Man of Steel. Yeah. Well, I am whole thing. I'm I'm I I I'm. If you stop with canon and continuity and embrace comic book movies as just, you know, this is so-and-so's version of... Yeah. Then then why not 
just enjoy yourself. Yeah, I, I see. I see that movie as Superman learning to be Superman. He's not anywhere near Superman yet. Well, maybe. I mean, I I do have problems with the whole no no let me die um, when the tornado comes along. But oh yeah, that's it's not without its issues. You know, but <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, and you know, I like it, I like that. I, I like Amy Adams. She's great. Yeah. I, I, I like my Amy Adams. So, yeah. And I think Henry Cavill was, was a nice Superman, too. I like yes. him. I think he's good, too. I liked him. His performance in Batman v Superman and Justice League, I think, were better than... I Yeah. I'm not saying his performance was bad, per se, in Man of Steel, because I think with the material he had to work with... No, I think he got more settled into it, yeah. more more comfortable. It's really funny. You Everybody loves to play... You know the Sound of Silence thing with Ben Affleck? But they, you you tend to ignore Cavill in that interview where he's stepping up to the plate and he's talking and he looks like he's happy to be fucking talking about this, you know? Sure. And maybe by Affleck's expression, it was an awkward or uncomfortable question, but Cavill is rolling with it and he's talking through it and PRing his way you know, on. And sure. I think that, that that tells you something with him being settled into things. So <laughs> I I certainly wish whatever they do going forward, they still use him. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, yeah, you know. Although now we, now, we, now we got Superman and Lois with uh, CW. Yeah, Tyler, who was in... Tyler uh, Hecklin. Who, oh, shit. What was it? What was the movie I saw? Where he was the kid with Tom Hanks uh, was was that it? It was it, yeah. It, yes, yes. Road to Perdition. Yes. I was like, holy shit, that's him. Because there were a couple movies he was in as a kid, so I had to yeah. I had to narrow down which that's one you were right. looking for. I was just amazed, and I'm like, oh, he's, yeah, he's been doing this for this long. Yeah. Fuck, he's, he's been performing for a while. Fuck, and I like I like his version. I like his uh, I like his Superman too. Speaking of Affleck, I thought it was hilarious that. Uh, People were saying, people were like, oh, Affleck doesn't have anything to say about the Snyder Cut release for like, a, it was like a day and a half, two days, because he saved it for um, Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman podcast. He did an Instagram message <laughs> exclusively for them, announcing that he was excited about the Snyder Cut. Oh, wow. He really, oh, wow. Yeah, so, so yeah, it was pretty funny. I was like, that's awesome. I will say this will probably be the first thing to get me to subscribe to HBO Max when it comes <sighs> out. Not for good. Oh, okay. Just for a, to go check out the one. Check it out. Dude, uh, you're going to gunther it. You know you will. It's possible. It's very possible. <laughs> I, I'm still subscribed to uh, Shudder. Um, <laughs> with the streaming services, I, I don't like to do them straight out the gate because I, sure, yeah right because what do you have to offer they have like one or two things and then i'm done mm-hmm. and so i figured by 2021 that's given them a year right to, to really get things going get their original series up and running and have something besides uh, the snyder cut to watch while well, i have it yeah but you're the one who's commented that at, that max is really stacking the deck they're really loading up on the, hmm, I kind of want to watch that. They are. They really are. I mean, and by the time Green Lantern hits, I'll sure I'll resubscribe. Oh, Green Lantern. Well, yeah, I mean, your your reasoning is the same reason I don't say subscribe to CBS All Access. It's like, 
the things I want to watch are here, and then it's almost another year until right. they come back on again. Uh, frankly, and, that's why I never did it on this next round. I'm like, yeah. oh, when I do my CBS All Access stint, yep. then I'll have second season of Discovery. I'll have Picard. I'll have all the shorts. I'll have the animated uh, show that's come up. Yep. And maybe even Discovery season three by then. Unless they do that rotational scheduling bullshit. No, mm. they, I'm sure they will. Then, then I'll go off and do HBO Max for a while. Then I'll do Apple Plus for a while. Then I'll just... We got to make that app. Hop and jump. Hop and jump. Sony's Spider-Man movie-verse is getting a new superhero. Marvel comic book hero Jackpot will be the lead character in an upcoming movie of the same name from writer Mark Guggenheim, who will help expand Sony's Spider-Lore. Uh, since first appearing in Marvel's Spider-Man Swing Shift, Jackpot has been a recurring face in the Spider-Man comics, while also forging her own lore beginning in 2010 with Amazing Spider-Man Presents Jackpot. Guggenheim has been an integral to part of the character's evolution in the comics. As the writer behind the 2016 compilation Spider-Man Jackpot, introduced as an enigmatic, nameless character who eventually turns into a genetic researcher, Sarah Errett. Jackpot gains her abilities after being exposed on the job to the Lot 777 virus while <laughs> pregnant. The virus recodes her cellular DNA and imbues her with immense strength, which she discovers in an incident that forces her to save her newborn child. Aww. After doing a stint as a mass crime fighter, Sarah tires of the superhero life and hands reins to Alana Jobson, a friend who acquires her own abilities via a mutant growth hormone. But Jobson dies in a team-up with Spidey that goes haywire against female <sighs> villain Menace, so Sarah decides to reclaim the jackpot mantle in her friend's honor. In addition to his work for CW, CW's Arrowverse, uh, Guggenheim's the creator of both Arrow and a co-creator of Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, Guggenheim's comic book credits include Spider-Man, Aquaman, Wolverine, and The Punisher, plus video game script credits including Perfect Dark Zero and X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, anybody know Jackpot? No. <laughs> That's right. Like, when you started reading that, I was like, who? Kane, you know Jackpot? No. I thought there was someone who was gambling during an unfortunate gamma ray incident <laughs> and uh, was just lucky as hell. Well, gonna get her own Spider-Verse movie. All right. <laughs> At first I was like, is this like a, a luck superpower, like well, Domino? Yeah, or is was, that, you know, I'm like, like, yeah, uh, Las Vegas' own yeah. superhero. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jackpot and Megabuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. Is, is, is it because Sony has Slim Pickens? Uh, is this why? Is Slim it, Pickens is still alive? Yeah, he's going to be playing Jackpot. Yeah. Didn't, you, you didn't hear me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Slim, man. I can't even do a Slim Pickens. <laughs> that They have the rights, the option rights to Spider-Man and his cadre of villains and some of the heroes tightly to it. Apparently but, some. But apparently... How many heroes are there in the Spider-Verse that aren't Spider-Man? Yeah. And that's, I guess, what this comes down to. We need more heroes to fight all these villains. Right. Black Cat? Well, they got that going. Yeah. That was probably, uh, I mean, none of the other heroes are, yeah, like you said, are directly tied to Spider-Man. They're all part of the MCU now. So. Yeah. 
Punisher it's, came out as Spider-Man, but he's he did all, but, but he's more Daredevil associated, and he was tied up in all of that. Yeah. Sure, yeah. When they were um, able, when they were able to re, um, and even though he didn't, he recapture. started there. Yeah, he didn't stay there long. No, no, no. Yeah, he got his own comic pretty quick. Right, right, right. I mean, but I can't Jesus. think of. Yeah, there aren't many. There I can is think a of. Sh- metric shit ton of villains. Yes. Right. And and a lot of staples. And I think uh, that's why they went the route they did with Venom because we don't what heroes can we mine out of this thing we bought? Right. Right. And Venom even though he's a anti-hero or villain to Spider-Man most of the time, mm. uh they had to kind of turn him more to the hero side just to make more movies. Yeah, really. Right. Silver Sable? That's Silver Sable's going to be in the uh, Black Cat. Oh, film. It's, it's Black Cat, Silver Sable. Well, that's movie. the problem. They're putting yeah. them all in one movie. So that's and, that's why we're getting a jackpot movie. That's that's you know, for a while, Sandman became a good guy. Gotta you know, we'll, we, let's do that. No, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm or how gonna, about the time that Doc Octopus took over Spider-Man himself? Superior Spider. Superior Spider-Man, indeed. Can't believe he had all this power and he. Just was going to high school, <laughs> or that time uh, Wolverine's brain was planted in Peter Parker's teenage body, and he made it with Mary Jane. <laughs> okay, you gotta you gotta <laughs> mind new ideas. These things have been around for a long time. It's hard yeah. to create new stories. Yeah, and that's true. Decades old characters. Yeah, really. Now I wonder if the, are they forbidden for the contract from creating new characters like they can only take from the Spider-Man comic series or because you know MCU is able to create new characters but that's because they own they're owned by frankly we can't see the contract so we really don't have an uh, actual answer sure I'm just I'm speculating but but even in speculation saying that they did uh, is that something that fans would be interested to go see Brand mm. new superhero in the Spider Verse, not from the comics. I, I think you'd have a, a backlash from the uh, fandomonium. which is kind of funny because they, they create new characters in the comics all the time. Well, but, yeah, but know, I think but creating also, one in the movie. I think also the movies. I don't know that they could handle that. I think you would really need a dedicated comics writer in there, uh, transcending even what say like uh, Berlanti. Or Guggenheim do, and I I don't think, I I don't think they could make it play. I think you really, to make a comic book hero resonate like that, we're talking like a big fucking movie. Uh I think that, uh, well, first of all, it violates it violates the whole rule, which is we're exploiting established IP. Sure. So creating creating a specific a specific hero. Uh, I think is 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 Hollywood sort of you know betraying itself because I don't think they could do it. I don't think they could do it. Now, what would you say to them creating a new character simultaneously for the comic series and the movies? Now, that's uh, that's that, just that's an interesting what, thing I haven't heard them right. do yet. Marvel is doing that, but they're not supporting Spider. <laughs> The Spider-Verse okay. doing that. Well, now, yeah. Spider-Verse is an example, is almost an example of them doing that <clears throat> because they're making great use, uh, Spider-Gwen, 
Spider-Man Noir. Those were making great use of, of uh, well, Spider-Gwen, not so tiny, but Spider-Man Noir. I mean, good God in heaven. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that they're not moving in that direction. Maybe they're leaving that for the animated. Maybe they maybe they want the to move the they leave the animated to its own, which might be smart because boy oh boy, that all worked. Yeah, I mean Hollywood. It's Hollywood is sort of like the casino corporate interest. You know, there's nothing successful that a, a, uh, an executive doesn't want to stick his dick into, right? <laughs> so, but but so far they're being smart and in, in uh, being careful with Spider-Verse and and so don't fuck with that. Oh, and so Spider-Verse maybe, a lot of the characters that were in it really only work as an animated feature. What, it's like Spider-Ham can't have his own movie? What are yeah, you talking really, about? Live really. action. They can do Howard the Duck. They can do Spider-Ham. That's right. They can do Babe. They can do Spider-Ham. You know? Spider-Woman? Was she uh, first from uh, Spider-Man? Uh, okay, we got Spider-Gwen. Uh, Miles Morales. This is not a very good list. Um, are, you, are you on the Marvel wiki? Or are you? No. Oh, I, okay. uh, uh, Scarlet Spider. Now, it would be funny to see if they could pull out of their ass, if they could do something with the clone saga, but actually make it, actually good. Make it yeah, <laughs> make it work. That well, would be funny. There's rumor that they're working on a Madam Web solo thing. Yes. There's Silk and Madam Web. So those are... Uh, do, do you know there's also a, a, an India, Spider-Man India? Yes. Yes, there mm. is. Yeah. There's a Spider-Man comic in India, and there's a Spider-Man India. Now, th- yeah, they should. Uh, I'd watch that. Yeah, really. That'd be great. I mean, why the fuck not? Um, oh, please let them Bollywood the hell out of it too. That would oh, be amazing. No. That actually, I would love to see oh shit. a Spider-Man musical oh Bollywood style. That would be amazing, dude. You know what? That's actually uh, that's actually a pretty good idea. That is. My I wife mean, and I recently rewatched uh, Moulin Rouge, which a fantastic film. Uh, so I kind of did a deep dive into where it all came from. Why did this movie even happen? Because it is. It came out of nowhere. It's it's th- it throws you the first time you watch it though, yes, because sure. the setting and then them doing stylized versions of modern music. Yes, and I'm like, this doesn't fit together when you're watching it the first time and then you're like, oh, okay. I'll oh, I fell in love with it the first time I saw it. I, I, my I, mind was I open didn't. and blown. I didn't because I, I did. it kept, like when when they're singing you 2 to each other, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. Oh, no. And then, wow. and then there were certain things like, wow. See, certain, that, certain things like that. That fit into my, the first time. I, I've said it before, the, the theory of when we talked about Cats, mm-hmm. I want a movie, I want a musical to just be balls out crazy because that's the only way it can really, really hit with me and work with me. So, and Moulin Rouge was, I think, a very good example of, of just that. It was just, I was sitting there sort of like, eh, and then the well, absinthe been, yeah. fairy showed up, and I'm like, okay, I'm all right with this. Suddenly, this is all working for me. I mean, it eventually won me over, but yeah. like my, my initial reaction was, this isn't right, but and it was it was jarring to me. Baz Luhrmann, prior to 
developing this film and what led directly to it was he fell in love with a Bollywood movie. And I'm like, that fucking makes sense because Moulin Rouge is a Bollywood movie through and through. That That is... An, that is yeah, Oswald no, doing a Western Bollywood. You're right. Now knowing that, now everything makes sense. Yeah, and and even just looking at the uh, well, all of the Indian influence in the production mm-hmm. design, it, it all shows. And uh, in fact, before COVID knocked everything out on Broadway, there was the Moulin Rouge uh, stage musical that had oh, opened yeah? just months prior. Oh, that's perfect for it is, and stage. they've got they've added new music to it to incorporate extra story that would be needed for the stage. And yeah, it looks pretty darn good to me, but it's, yeah, it's perfect uh, stage mm. fodder. Yeah, I just always loved that. Roxanne. And was pretty much the, the Harbinger. I mean, it wasn't the first jukebox musical, but I think it popularized the jukebox it musical. It made it work. Yeah. It, it, I, it gave Hollywood confidence in the concept, and it also made the audience receptive to it. Dicks like Jeff notwithstanding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Suddenly I'm the asshole. <laughs> uh, we did lose somebody this week. We lose uh, John Mayhone, uh, actor known for his work in The Exorcist and The X-Files, died at the age of 82. In The Exorcist, Mayhone plays the lab technician who informs Father Karras that, well, that's a screaming cat. Yeah, go see what's going on, Kay. Mayhone uh, played the lab technician informed Father Karras that the strange language spouted by Reagan McNeil is not devil speak, not some foreign tongue, but English words pronounced backwards. After The Exorcist, Mayhone went on to appear in other genre fare like Knight Rider, uh, Michael Bay's Armageddon, two-part uh, season six storyline storyline of X-Files, that's Dreamland, parts one and two, Jay Roach's Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and a two-part season four storyline of Star Trek Enterprise in A Mirror Darkly, parts one and two. Uh, at the age of 12, Mayhone contracted polio and became paralyzed for a better part of a year. Even after recovering, he never regained the full use of one arm, but used his experience to mentor other actors with physical disabilities. His life story was chronicled in his 2014 memoir, A Life of Make-Believe, From Paralysis to Hollywood. If you see a picture of Mayhung, yeah. you know exactly who he is. Well, I'm, He's I, one of those I, character actors yeah. that's in a... I just mentioned the genre fair. He's in a lot of yeah, stuff. It's... it's yeah, it... it it's I've mentioned it before, but there's a movie out there that guy that was in that thing, and then there's also uh, a follow up called The Girl That Was in That Thing. Those are both movies you really should check into because they show a lot of these character actors, and in many cases, people who are not character actors but are really good actors that just have had starring roles, but you see them in all these different things because they're just people who are constantly working. Yeah. So that's uh, the, that's the kind of actor you yeah. really want to be in Hollywood. I know you get the stars and then they they have their star vehicles, but if you can get work just being in consistent parts in movies year after year, you won. To, I, uh, to be that go-to person for certain roles, spot on. I I remember vividly when we had uh, a class in film school where we had an actor speaking and this guy, he said he'd played a lot of background roles, you know, minimal speaking roles, but he also did commercials. And he said, I'm always amused when I, you know, when I'm in Hollywood or, you know, around LA, people tell me they won't do commercials. And I'm like, why? 
It's a day's worth of work. It's about a month's worth of pay on any other Depending property. on the commercial, it can be a year's worth of pay. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, by doing commercials, I have consistently been able to work. At that point, he'd been working for 30 years. So he, he did movies. He did commercials. He did television. He was always working. He's like, I've rarely had any bouts of unemployment because I'm willing to do these things he's like and sometimes he's like he was telling us specifically about a, a commercial that he did where he's like this was my i got full pay to go there and do this i laid down in a bed pretending like i was asleep had no lines but since it was originally written as a role where i had lines i got paid for a speaking role i was on set for eight hours and i was done he's like that was the most amount of money I made for the least amount of work I have ever done in my career. <laughs> Good and, work if you can get it. Because, yeah, like, commercial. you know, he's he's in a in a bed in pajamas where the the actress that's playing his wife has this being role. It's like for like a you know a pharmaceutical or something. But Sounds he's right. like he said, yeah, he's like he said, I literally showed up, had to just pretend like I was asleep for the whole shoot. He's like, it was such a breeze. <laughs> I slept for eight hours and they gave me a paycheck. <laughs> By the way, Kit's fine. Um, I actually posted on Facebook uh, a week or two ago, and so there's another cat wandering around. Uh-huh. Kind of figured there's something like yeah, that. Yeah, and this is this is that new cat, and this guy walked right the fuck up to the window. Oh, so Kit stepping was, up, and Kit was all he was all fluffed up. I mean, his tail oh. was like three times bigger than usual, and all oh, that wow. stuff. Defending so, his territory. Yeah, my so, house. So this. Uh, this is this is that new cat. So I had to shoo kid away from the door so he would not bolt out, and then I went out and just shooed the cat away. So that was, uh, that, it was funny because I've never heard him make that noise before. He, you know, dude, with the other cats, he usually doesn't. I don't know if that's the cat that attacked him. I don't think so. Um, maybe that's the cat that injured him in the past, but I, I've only seen that cat twice, and this mm. is the second time. Well, he keeps running from window to window, like, well, looking outside. I chased it to the wall. And it's sitting on the wall. Uh-huh. It didn't disappear completely. So he's keeping an eye on things. From the window to the wall. Yeah. Ah, skeet, skeet, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Muppets Now will officially make its Disney Plus debut on Friday, th- July 31st. The new unscripted and short-form series uh, first season will consist of six episodes that find Scooter scrambling, quote, to make his delivery deadlines and upload the brand new Muppet series for streaming, reads the synopsis. They are due now, and he'll need to navigate what other obstacles, distractions, and complications the rest of the Muppet gang throws at him, unquote. So if you've been wanting more Muppets, Disney Plus has it at the end of July. I'm all for more Muppets. Always for more Muppets. Yeah, but are, Mer- are, are Kermit and Piggy back together? I don't know. That was that was kind of a disturbing thing about the the last Muppet series. Oh, was, the series, not the movies. Uh, yeah, the okay. series where apparently Kermit's got a she pig. Oh, I right, right. got a sound oh, fetish. Yeah, 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 I forgot about that because he's dating another yeah. pig chick, and it's just like, wow, <laughs> that Kermit that series was written more for adults. That was it's definitely because weird. I mean, I could understand kids watching it and kind of being entertained by it, but I really enjoyed that series when it started off because it was kind of, it had hints of darkness to it, like kind of dark humor. Yeah. And it seemed much more grown up. And I was I was digging that side of it. 
And I know it wasn't hitting for ABC and they, you know, they nixed it or, or sorry, they reworked it and then nixed it. But uh, yeah. in fact, I, I missed those last few quote unquote reworked episodes, which you know, I have it in Disney Plus. I can watch it anytime, I suppose. But but it was working for me. I don't know why, sure. they, you know, people were bagging on it so badly. Because even the original Muppets had a bit of dark humor to it, which I liked. And I've this new one. I'm all I'm down. I'm definitely going to watch it. Uh, what I don't understand though is why they've never attempted to make another puppet show in that same vein, variety show, especially now with the whole uh, digital aspect of like, like Zoom and so on. They sure. can do lots of fun things with that. I suppose. I mean, it. it I. They're still afraid of variety shows. It's just. There was, but variety shows are some of the stuff that's most people watch. America's Got Talent, The Voice. These are all, yeah. But but those are also they they also have, have a game that, show element, the game show, and what they'll call the uh, I'm blanking. What, what I don't uh, know what they call it. I don't know what was Survivor originally called. Survivor, uh, the reality show, reality, kind of kind of have that angle to it. You know, because of the competition and the the setup and the whole reality Do show. Do it with Muppets. A, sure. I don't... It Create might, that yeah, reality sure. vein? Because that's was, what Muppet Show kind of was, was a Muppet reality show. You saw sure. the stuff backstage and so on, and then you had the performances. Kind of, sort of. So. But it was all scripted. Sure. There was there was a, like, a Zoom meeting style um, reunion of sorts... Uh, that was on recently with a lot of the original Muppet actors that are still around, like oh, Frank fun. Oz was on there. And some, I think somebody brought up like why they don't do stuff. And one of the comments, and I don't remember who said it, it was like, basically they said, Disney doesn't know what to do with the Muppets. No, they haven't for years. Not since and, they bought it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like they bought it and they could have brought the talent along with it that knew how to work the property, but then they recast a lot of the voice actors and, you know, in some cases, they made modifications to the the puppets themselves, and I I don't know. Maybe they'll get the hang of it here. No, they do, they used to do <laughs> yeah. sh- they used to do short stuff on the internet. Sure, that was after Disney bought them that worked. Right. Yeah, the internet stuff has been pretty great. But yeah, it's like you know, and and as as I said, the show was working for me, but they thought it wasn't working, so. That's I'm true. sure their numbers weren't yeah. what they wanted. Them to well, they're, yeah. ABC properties owned by Disney definitely are obsessed over as far as the numbers. That's yeah. why Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got... It's about selling commercials, baby. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I see. I know what you mean about the, the shorts wearing. I used to... Kermit's cover of Hurt was still... Uh, oh, geez, yeah. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even... Where the hell... Was that, was that just like a fan... Parody. Honestly, I don't know, but I think it might have been from it, them. It, really? I don't know. I like, it couldn't have been. Kermit was was macking it to Piggy's picture at one point in that video. There's no <laughs> way. I mean, you want to talk about Disney not knowing what to do with something. <laughs> Yezu Christe. Uh, this next piece of news is the most important news so far of the year. All, all, everything that's happened uh, throughout Pales the year thus far, everything, COVID, nothing else is more important than this news. 
Games Workshop revealed an upcoming 9th edition of Warhammer 40K. Knew it. 9th <laughs> edition. 9th edition. The new version represents a major revision to the rules, <laughs> as well as new mechanics, redesigned miniatures, and more. <laughs> There's a fantastic cinematic trailer for the new edition that shows a battle between Space Marines and Necron Warriors. All the current codexes and Psychic Awakening books will work with the new edition, including the three upcoming Psychic Awakening books for those who are playing. During a live stream, the next Black Library series was also revealed called Dawn of Fire. The new series promo- uh, promises to bring all the narrative threads in the Warhammer 40k universe together into one cohesive ongoing narrative, thank God. Uh, finally, uh, Games Workshop revealed that a comprehensive new mobile app for the Warhammer 40K is coming soon. Again, finally, the app that can track players' armies and rules has been requested by the community for a long time. A digital version of Codexes will be included for free with the physical version. Again, awesome choice. Somewhere Matt just got excited and he doesn't even know why. The moment this shit dropped... Uh, I was texting back and forth between Matt oh, yeah. and my friend Alex that I work with. Basically, everyone that I play or involved with Warhammer, we began texting back and forth. I, ninth edition, ninth edition's here because it's been, I think it's been like four years since the last edition. Four years. They, they tend to do a new edition every four years that's, at this point. That's an eternity. And <laughs> oh, it's so goddamn necessary because what happens with Warhammer? Yeah. Dig in, folks. <laughs> what happens with Warhammer is they release a rule book, and then the tournament circuit happens with those rules. People find loopholes in those rules, and then Games Workship, uh, Workship, uh, Workshop uh, then puts out a uh, FAQ and amended rules to the game to close those loopholes. And then people find loopholes in that in the tournament sector, and then they close those loopholes and then start balancing armies because with everything that's happened with this edition, uh, this arm, uh, space marines are too powerful, but Tau's not powerful enough to space against them, so we have to do some balancing issues. And this happens over the course of a couple of years until there are more rules not in the rule book than there are in the rule book, and, and it becomes impossible to stay on top of. And then a new edition comes out that incorporates and rebalances everything and also advances the storyline of Warhammer 40K. And in this one, uh, the Necrons are kind of taking the lead as big bads on this run. That's the Terminators, basically. Uh, The story of the Necrons, fantastic story. Uh, Ancient race that uh, uh, sold off their souls to fight uh, against uh, an elder god kind of thing. And... In doing so, they lost their souls. They wanted them back, and they were promised by another race that they could give them their souls back, but they had to create metal bodies in order to do so, and they never really got their souls. So they are soulless metal terminators that look like skeletons. You mean the Terminator? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So if you like, they're they're the basically the undead of 40K with a very uh, uh, Egyptian theme to their look. Uh, but they've also been kind of neglected over this last uh, edition, uh, kind of a, a middling group. It's still played in tournaments, but they rarely win in tournaments and so on. And and so now the Necron armies are getting love. 
How do you compare the price of the Warhammer rule books and the the release and 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 uh, publication of the rule books with say uh, some other kind of RPGs that you may be familiar? I with? would I would say on par with on par. Yeah, because uh, the rule book's going to cost, uh, and it's not like you need multiple rule books. This one, the main rule book. Well, they're doing a new thing where you can get the basic rules for free. Right, everyone's doing that now. So right? you can, yeah, you go online, you can get the the rules, print them, or just read them, or get, get them digitally. Uh, if you get the rule book, it includes all the art and the backstory, and it's 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 well worth it if you're into the game. But comparable in price, you, the rule book costs about fifty bucks. All right, because one of the complaints about uh, when they like do a new edition of D and D is, oh, now I got to reinvest all this money in rule books but it seems to me like the money in warhammer is in the figs absolutely and so, they have also announced that th prices are going to rise in oh, those really? figs so they're already super expensive so i'm i'm curious as to see what that means that's that's kind of crazy because yeah. if the are there just are there not as many rule books or maybe the supplements are smaller because uh, it, it every four years is pretty intense, even by uh, tabletop RPG standards. Sure. When you're playing the game, all you need is the rule book, a codex on the army that you want to focus on, and the figures. Uh, they have announced that the codex that are currently in play are meant for this system as well. So those aren't going to change. If you already own a book of your own army, you're not going to have to buy a new book. Uh, the the it's just the the, ba the core rules that are changing in this. New terrain rules, new things on, on bolter fire. I don't want to get too specific because it's, it's meaningless to hmm. those who aren't playing. Uh, so it's more about balancing rules than it is about balancing armies. Hmm. And now I'm going to tell you right now, uh, they have been releasing what I mentioned in the story, the Psychic Awakening books, which are something that, brings the narration of the game forward and almost all the armies are getting one so you have your codex this is basically an addendum to your codex so that seems to be the way that they're going with it here's your codex here's the addendum down the line they will probably release a new codex which includes all that stuff plus new rules for new miniatures that they're releasing that's how it always seems to go hmm. with that hmm. warhammer is is a money sink Mm -hmm. through and through mm -hmm. but if you're smart about it uh as far as the figures go you can find them cheap online like ebay people that have painted and are getting out of it or they're crappy paint jobs or whatever you can find that stuff kind of cheap so if you're smart about it, you can cut the costs on the most expensive part but you still well you can download the rules for free so now really all you have to do is buy the armies because if if you buy the physical box of the army uh, from the company, it does come with the rules of those pieces with it. Mm -hmm. so, that makes sense. So you can do it that way. Well, I mean, and won't, I mean, Jesus, won't 3D, won't 3D printing eventually change? It already has. Uh, 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 minis? It, 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 I mean, yeah, that, that's, there's so many of that out there. Even the uh, professional painters out there, you see them getting into right. it. There was a 3D printer company that sent 3D printers to uh, YouTube painters yeah. to do a review of their there you go. printer in lieu of. Because 
Yeah, I, I, there's that kid I told you about that I worked with at, at Turo who basically they kind of reinvented D&D so they could play D&D. And then his wife bought him a 3D printer so they could print their figs of their characters. And I mean, it's like, that's why she bought him a 3D printer. Yeah. So 3D printers have hit that level. They have. Where you can do that. Especially especially yeah. the resin printers, which are much, much better than the filament printers yeah. that are out there. Uh, there is still a big difference between the sculpts of, say, something that Games Workshop puts out and the best of the home 3D printers out there. The You can print a decent miniature out of it. It still is a little muddy on the details, but mm-hmm. there's some out there that do look pretty good. And can you do that? Absolutely. Can you do it in the tournament level? No, you cannot. Uh, if you're doing a Warhammer tournament, uh, the rules are there that it has to be those. It has to be either Warhammer miniatures or Warhammer miniatures that you, themselves that you have modified with other bits. Mm-hmm. But they have to be from basically that company. So if you're going to play on the tournament level, no, you can't do the 3D printing sure. unless you're doing like adding little bits. But I think that. But everybody else, yeah, you can do I think, that. I think. I think that rule will work so long as, like what you said, stands. The, the, the miniature quality from, from a maker like Games Workshop is going to be superior in some facet to 3D printing. Once you hit that level where 3D printing can match, do you think that's even mechanically feasible with a technological advance in the future? There's... Yes, there are three D printers that have the resolution to do miniatures that are as good, basically like mold. A, well, as, like what is it, centrifuge mold or vacuum, whatever, whatever it is. You're talking injection molded, injection yeah. mold. Yeah, that's exactly that's what it is. most of those figures are injection molded, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. There are newer three D printers that the prices are coming down to the point where they're mm-hmm. consumer affordable. We're, we're really reaching that parity where. You're, it's not going to be long before because I think anybody can get a, a good resolution 3D I printer think if they want it. Once you can do that quality at home, the tournament is going to have to. They're going to have to. They're going to have to figure out something because to sit there and, and say, well, you can only use you can only use game ha- games workshop approved made. That's that's kind of well. Here's the thing also is Games Workshop has an army of people out there looking for people selling their IP. Yeah. So if you are making a 3D Space Marine in CAD and then selling that or making it available to people out there and are calling it Space Marines, they will bring the legal hammer down and and do like crazy because they know this. They know they're threatened by this. I'm not talking about the pirating. I'm just talking about if you hit that level where you can start producing at home that kind of model quality level, um, the tournament's going to have to do something. The tournament rules, they'll have to do something. No. They, they, they don't because it's sponsored by Games Workshop. Uh, the, the reason the, termina- the tournament exists is because Game Workshop is helping to fund some of it. Now, going in a whole different direction with the 3D printing, Kirsten, with a lot of the D&D figures, I know a lot of people that have really good art talent, they, they create their own characters. Sure. And 
do a lot of game masters allow figures that are made from scratch every game to represent? Will, okay yeah they, yeah. they, they so, don't care they won't care. so in that respect you you could if you are really good with cad you could develop your own miniature sure, and, yeah. and, and, and then and paint it and bring it into there's the, also there's not the ip pursuit that uh todd's talking about unless sure. you're talking about specific characters right right now doing drizzt no doing drow ranger well, yeah, and there are tons of there are tons of CAD uh, programs out there where you right. can you can you can pick them up and print them. I was just talking about in terms of the tournament thing. It seems to me that at some point, Games Workshop is going to have to deal. It it you I, well, right, I mean, you, you there's, know. there's already companies. I I don't know if they're doing it in the miniature respect, but there are already companies that you can buy licensed CAD sure uh, programs for your 3D printer to print their IP at sure. home. Sure, okay. So at some point, I could possibly see Games Workshop. May, you no, don't think see, that they see, would? Because nope. that would take all the manufacturing away from... Nope. That they would have to put in, and they would they, license they, it out? They would not license out the ability to make your own ad infinitum. There is no way that because... They don't make their well, money. Have in, to they don't it. make their money in rules and books. They make their money selling little plastic dudes. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their what money. What I'm saying is, you you still have to buy the figure to print it at home, but you're buying that from them, and you're saving all the manufacturing cost from them. You, don't, if, you it, don't think that would ever happen? Nope. Yeah. I Not, don't. And especially if you're if you're buying. If you're paying the same price uh, just probably, for the license, they're probably paying pennies on the dollar and mm. having them injection molded in in China anyway. So, well, I it wouldn't surprise me. It probably cost them. What's what's the average set go for? In uh, a, it in depends a, what you mean. Like, yeah, a they, they, of, they, yeah, like dude, a group dude. of five dudes, uh-huh. yeah. thirty five dollars, and it probably their cost. Let's say materials, boxing, two three dollars. You think that's a pretty because if, you, if you're making that in China and you're making them in mass quantities, I honestly don't know where they're made. It's possible to it make it. It seems anyway. like their profit margin would be pretty healthy on that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm very much sure it is. Maybe the big the big change would be Hollywood. Hollywood finally figures out how to exploit the Warhammer IP. They're working on it because Hollywood's always the big money. It doesn't matter what your profit margin is in anything. If you can make it sell in Hollywood, you're going to get untold amounts of money. And so, and there's no reason. Warhammer is so fucking rich. It should be a goddamn, it should be a fucking Saudi oil field (laughs) waiting, (laughs) waiting for Hollywood Aramco to come along and just exploit it another thing with this that's a little different is when it's come to the warhammer books the novels the stories uh they're all over the place yeah Uh, they're always releasing new novels and they're all happening in different places out Mm. there and it looks like they're kind of bringing that all in into a cohesive story with this uh, new announcement from black library which might speak to that whole consolidation of narrative todd Two words for you. What? Warhammer Legends. Yeah. 
I, I, that's just it. I don't think they're going to say, oh, no, that didn't happen. This is the new thing going forward. I think it's the whole we're bringing all these parts that sure. have been on their own together, together in order to push a larger narrative I th- forward. And I think that, that a lot of that will be to appeal to Hollywood because it might yes. be that Hollywood looks at all that and is like, guys, you're all over the fucking place. And they are. Which yeah. is kind of funny because with Star Wars Legends, you know, it was just like, <clears throat> all right, let's just, you know, because Warhammer, yeah, it really is. I mean, it's visually, Hollywood is visual and it is so visually rich. You that you have to be such a jaded, jaded genre person, much less any kind of viewer to not look at a whole scope of Warhammer stuff and just not be dazzled by all the the visual richness. The new trailer that they made for the announcement mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Right, it, Scott. It, Ra- Scott uh, fell apart over it. Oh, it's he's a Warhammer. It's glorious. They've I've seen some good fan made stuff and I've seen some decent stuff from them that they've done in the past, but nothing's been this good. Yeah, I think it, that that all smells like they're po- they're getting in that direction. Now, maybe Hollywood hasn't jumped on because Games Workshop is worried about the whole licensing thing. They haven't. They've announced a TV show and they've announced a short story show. I think Amazon's got a hold of it now. There you go. Well, I was going to say the the whole, the way Hollywood economy works and those contracts and so forth, you know, how, how the actual contract is structured might have been a sticking point maybe for why it took so long maybe i mean it, G- games workshop it it from everything i've been hearing from from torgos and maple leafs it's only recently that they've started to get their shit together ip wise so probably that has a lot to do with it too they're, okay. they 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 they're just figuring out whoever it is who has become top dog at GWS or or is starting to listen to people at GWS they're finally starting to get their IP shit together prior to 8th edition they held their IP tight locked against their chest and no you can't see it right it's ours and they they weren't friendly with fans they it, it was it was ugly all during that time but mm-hmm. when they did 8th edition and Age of Sigmar on their fantasy side, things started to change. So, yeah, something at the top yeah, fixed it. You know, well, you, I'll tell you something. Marvel, uh, even though it's 20 years, Lord of the Rings, there are properties that are showing there are billions to be fucking had if you just have a clear vision and go into this with some motherfucking thought. How long before we start having the the... The Warhammer uh, six-inch action figures on Target <laughs> shelves, right? That's going to come with those movies and that TV show. Most that likely, is, that is not. They're not going to stick with the minis. Um, but it, 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 yeah. So it'd be that'll be an interesting story to hear someday. The fanboys lost their shit like two years ago because Games Workshop announced a book series aimed for kids. Ooh, and you mean lost their shit bad way or good way? A bad fa- way. A pandemic? Yeah, a pandemic. Because and because they were making oh they're going to 
nicify this that, grim dark universe uh, dilute it you know what there was a time when i would have understood that attitude but now it's sort of like yeah. get over yourselves yeah. guys the books came out they're for kids they're successful and they're bringing kids toward yeah. it for kids it's, it's yeah. a gateway just, just the fucking just the fucking title warhammer for kids <laughs> Guess what? Warhammer's <laughs> always been for kids. Well, yeah. Always. Look at those images. Look yeah. at the image of the space marine. Look at the image of those fucking Eldar elves and shit. It's just, it's, it's you know, it's that 14-year-old going yeah. ape shit. It there is. was There was an interesting thing from Matt Colville. He was talking about heavy metal. And he was talking about how a lot of people look at it and they just, and he's like, you've got you had to have been of a certain mind. And he's like, for the 14-year-old boy geek, heavy metal hit it right on the fucking nose. You look back on it now, it's juvenile, it's sexist. It's, But back then, it hit it right on the nose because it was right at that perfect point. But Warhammer for kids, you know, you get them before puberty. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, there's that old thing. Uh, God, I think it was... Uh, like a janissary it was like a janissary Muslim thing. It's like you give them to me by the time they're eight years old. Sure, and and they've spread out. There, you can get kind of basic Warhammer and basic uh, Blood Bowl sets at Blood Barnes Bowl. and Noble. Yeah, they call it something else, right? But that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it sounds like they finally figured some shit out, and I will bet you it's just the explosion of geek culture now, and the billions to be. Billions. Yes. There's so much money to be had now. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, it's really funny because Dungeons and Dragons, even with the success of fifth edition, which is purportedly, they they, they don't reveal real numbers, but it's always been purportedly that this is the best Dungeons and Dragons has done since the original edition, way back in the late 70s. Um, Back when Devil Fears was selling it, right? <laughs> and and even that is a drop in the bucket to Hasbro. You know, even, oh yeah, even that the Hasbro attitude towards D and D is D and D. Oh fuck, D and D is a niche product with the ego of Microsoft. <laughs> that was that's the attitude towards that's, Dungeons that's and Dragons, and it's it is it's perfect because it it's really tiny. But it, it, it is such a fucking huge fish in that small pond. And um, it's, so even there, though, there's billions to be had if they figure out what they do. And, uh, well, Maganello uh, and, and company are working on a Dungeons & Dragons deal. I hope they get their shit figured out. Sure. Critical Role's cartoon show may actually help in uh, uh help uh, get get some kind of geek thing going but it's about time that GWS figured their shit out because Warhammer is some deep shit it is some great IP to exploit they get the right fucking actor um I don't know who did that fan film uh but I, I my money I you know get Neil Blumkampf and have Weta Workshop uh, doing his his uh, his effects. Oh yeah. And I think I think uh, you got you got yourself some more billions. Absolutely. There's no reason not to. So when you picking up Warhammer Ninth Edition, write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com. <laughs> and until next week, I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. 
uh, you know the the deal that I made when I paint that painted yeah. that guy's army mm. and the, all the figures that he gave me. Mm. Uh, he gave me a good chunk of Death Guard, but he also gave me a big old chunk of Necrons. Uh oh! So I I'll be ready when mm-hmm. this thing drops. <laughs> Boy, uh, they'll be unpainted. But I'll be ready. In about four years, when Matt's ready for that game, <laughs> and and tenth edition is about to come out, you guys can finally have your first eighth edition battle. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, he has a valid excuse for right now. Oh, why he's not you know playing. what? <laughs> I, uh, Don't encourage him. Yeah, is that what you're saying? you know what? All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to give him a frontline pass. It's <laughs> like you know, he should just come home and blow off stress by painting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you do whatever you're doing, Matt? You're awesome.